Welcome to the Defence Forces podcast brought to you by the Defence Forces Public Relations Branch. Hello and welcome to the Irish Defence Forces podcast. My name is Captain Kean Clancy and today we welcome onto the show Sergeant Joe Mead and Corporal John Joyce who are going to speak to us about what's involved in recruit training and two to three star training in the Army, bringing a civilian through the process of becoming a fully trained soldier in Oglignaheron. Welcome on gents, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for having us up. What we'll do here, first of all, just to give people an idea of who we are, just get a little bit of background on your careers to date. So, uh, yourself, Serge, um, when did you join the Army? I joined the Army on the, it was the 23rd of December, 1996. It was a kind of a strange day, all right, to uh, to join the Defence Forces. And then we, we were sworn in, and then we were asked to come back then on, it was either like the 3rd or the 5th of January. And so that's where so we... Bad. They weren't going to keep you in over Christmas. Yeah, we, uh, we, we, we cracked on. So it was a strange... Strange time to join the army or just before Christmas, but uh, it's a nice time as well. Like so, it'll be coming up to me twenty fourth year now this this December, and it's been gone in a flash. Everybody says it, but it does. It goes fairly quick. Um, my career then, I've uh, started off. Uh, we trained with the the depot here, actually in uh, Calborough Barracks. Went straight to the Fifth Battalion, where we spent uh, all my career until the actual reorg, and it was about like thirteen. Uh, 14 years in the 5th Battalion and then straight into the 7th Battalion and then just earlier on this year then just at the start of the year I transferred down to the School of Music it's for, for people at home who obviously don't realise you're, yeah. you're also a piper shows on. yeah yeah play the bagpipes which I've learned we're in the Defence Forces um, was great took me all around the world um, doing a bit of piping uh, still learning <laughs> yeah and you obviously have a few overseas trips as well I have a couple of overseas trips. Uh, I've been to Lebanon um, three times, uh, Liberia and Chad. Uh, Liberia and Chad like were fairly different kind of missions and very enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. And what about yourself, uh, John? Uh, Defence Forces, 13 years. I joined the 23rd of July 2007. I trained in the 5th Infantry Battalion in B Company in Gormanstown Camp. And went from there to A Company 5th Battalion and I spent, I think it was five years in the 5th Battalion before the reorg. And I moved to the 7th Battalion and I'm now still a serve member of the 7th Battalion now at the moment. I have a couple of overseas trips to myself as well. I've also served in Chad in Africa and I have a trip to Lebanon as well. I've uh, trained a couple of recruit battalions. Um, I spend a lot of my time instructing as well, uh, driving courses, teaching people to drive in the Defence Forces and different Variants of vehicles uh, from Jeep and trailer up to truck and then armoured vehicles as well. So, uh, quite an interesting career so far, and I hope it keeps that way. That's fantastic. And obviously, for both of you, uh, recent training of recruits has been a feature of your careers, like in, in recent times in, in the last couple of years. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk for people at home a bit about the process of recruit training and the process of research training, what you learn, um, why you learn it. As a, why one learns it as a recruit and then at the very end we'll get into a little bit of some of the stuff that you need to do if, if someone wants to join so just to start out kind of on, from a very early perspective in recruit training what your, fir- your first day so you've you've successfully been accepted to, to defense forces and you turn up at the gates of Cal Brew Barracks what, what do you expect to see in your first day as a, as a recruit well the first person you're going to see is probably the likes of myself the, one of the training corporals so one of the training instructors would be a corporal standing on the gate basically uh, taking the names of the inductees and uh, meeting the parents at the gate and then directing them to wherever they're going to be introduced to the rest of the training staff and the, the commander over the course as well so more than likely it, most of the time it's in dining complexes or somewhere where an open space where they can uh, fit a couple of hundred people say um, once you get in there then that's when they get introduced to the rest of the training staff the other corporals their platoon sergeant as well and their uh, platoon commander or lieutenant and their company commander as well so who's basically in charge of the whole course will be introduced and basically will give a rundown of the entire syllabus from recruit training on the two to three start the co will explain everything that's going on what's expected of you um it'll just complete run through of the whole thing so that's basically what happens in the first couple of hours then take your oath 
Yeah, so you're 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 swearing, you're being attested either on depending on personal choice, either on the Bible or on a copy of the Constitution uh, to be faithful to Ireland and loyal to the Constitution, and it's it's your it's your basically first basic induction in, into the defence forces. Just for, just to digress there slightly, just so people at home are aware, recruit training itself is a total of thirteen weeks. That's twelve weeks of training and one week of of kind of induction, which we're going to go through here, and that's followed then by uh, two to three star training, which is a total of ten weeks. So we're talking about sorry twenty three weeks training in total. Um, and that's just kind of for people who want to give them a bit, a bit of a bit of an idea. That this is the very start of, of a relatively lengthy process, but a process that starts off quite slowly. So after after being tested, Sarge, you, you you start into some kind of very sort of slow stuff for the first week. Yes, uh, after you've been introduced to your training uh, instructors, platoon sergeants, and stuff like that, you're given an orientation around the barracks. It's to try and help people like that might feel a little bit uh, if they have like uh, anxiety and stuff like that. So everything from when you wake up in the morning, uh, what the programs, uh, what you are going to be doing, when you're going to go for lunch, you'd be brought into the cookhouse, uh, what you're going to have for lunch, uh, same at dinner and same with, uh, with supper then that evening. You're brought around to to the barracks, you're shown um, different locations in the barracks, the gym, the where you'd be taking the lessons. So it's the first indu- induction week is like, a, it's just to settle people down. Um, there's no like... A, like what people might see in movies and stuff like that. There's no roaring and shouting and stuff like that. It's done at a small pace because there is going to in build up and the intensity as the recruit training goes on is going to build up um, and it's going to get more intense. Uh, it's just found that experience that starting off people kind of at a low level and takes away just a little bit of their stress because they are coming in from um, different backgrounds personally myself like my father was in the army and like even before I got to the gate so I would have been in a military barracks and so that did help me um, and of, like a, it's probably a good idea if you do know someone that's in the army like they could give you some good points and stuff like that so even before you even get to the barracks you might have been in the military establishment so someone that's thinking of joining the army maybe talking to a soldier that's already in the defence forces would be a good step in, 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 in the right way yeah and as regards so for, for the first for the first week there is no uniform as well they're going around in tracksuit um, and you, you really have to teach them Everything as as in as in as a recruit, you're, you're taught what time to get up in the morning. You're taught where to go for food. You're taught how to shave. You, you yeah. mentioned before taught to shower, taught to shave, taught basically how to dress yourself. So you're you're shown that like your appearance has to be immaculate at all times. So even if you're in a tracksuit, your tracksuit has to be spotless. You're taught to do things in certain ways. Your personal own personal hygiene has to be a very high standard as well. Time frames are a big thing as well. You're taught. Basically, to be five minutes early for everything, so you're you're being under time restraints all the time. I know it's very slow at the start, but as it goes on, you'll see that that time restraint gets that little bit tighter as well. So it does help to start off slow and then move it on so that your timing's still get impeccable after a while. Now, even from my own point of view now, I actually get a little bit of anxiety when I'm late for anything from what I've learned from the army is that I'm always on time for everything and I always have to be at least 10-15 minutes early for everything I do yeah. it does kind of install that into you very early so yeah and like I, I, it, the idea of easing into military life is kind of a, a big part of here and, and something we talked about before before we even started recording was the fact that as instructors for recruits you can't take anything for granted because these people could be 18 years old, they could be straight out of their parents' house, like, and this is why you have to get down to that very, very, very basic That's level. it, everything is a blank slate, like, literally everything is broken down. You, you might be made feel a little bit that you're being told every little small detail, and then it does in the bigger picture in the long run, makes more sense. Then. Yeah. So at the end of that first week, that induction week, where the pace is quite slow and it's, it's, it's easing people in, you move on to say the first week of proper training so and and sort of skills what kind of skills are you starting to learn at that point the type of skills then that you um because you'll be moving around the barracks and you'll be you have to learn how to march you have to learn how to do like a simple movements by just coming to attention uh marching uh in a, a small section like so you'll be broken down into say from 10 maybe up to like 14 depending on how many recruits that that you do have 
just moving around the barracks in a in a soldier like kind of a manner like uh, so they have to be like saluting because there there will be like uh, officers moving around as he said, coming to attention. Then you'll go into uh, arms drills, sentinel drills, uh, marksman drills, um, uh, and all these kind of, that's going to come together at the end of a big huge exercise near the end of your training. But it's really important that the theory is done at a, at a, at a slow pace, that the theory is going in and everybody gets to understand because the intensity as the weeks go on build up. Yeah. In the, even in the drills and your physical training and stuff like that. I suppose from from a foot, from a foot drill perspective, people at home might know like like foot foot drills. We, we mentioned marching, but like why do we do foot drill and, and those kind of movements on the square? Like what's the purpose of those? I find in Jordan foot drill, like all the orders are done in Irish, and I don't know a lot of people might probably don't have a word of Irish in them, and they're learning these new new words all the time and all. But it's nearly getting to a point that you're actually not even hearing words; you're just hearing sounds. Because I've actually trained um, a guy from Africa and a Polish girl, and neither of them have ever had any Irish whatsoever. Like they probably never even heard small bits of the language. And within a couple of weeks, then they hear the word you're and just, they're just looking for the sound. To it. Yeah, they you know what the sound, the sound as soon as they hear the sound, they're reacting to it as well. Like. I suppose there's a discipline aspect as well, like as in learning foot drills, so that when you do hear that order, you do it straight away. Yeah. And that this is the point, people need to learn to do what they're told straight away. It does build a, a good bit of discipline as well. Um, yeah. You Basically, when you're, you're marching, or even if you're standing with tension, like you don't move. Even if you need to sneeze, you have to try hold it in. You can't cough. You know, it does it does install that bit of discipline. So basically if you're told not to move, you don't move. If you're told to move, you move. It's yeah. it is a great way to install discipline as well. But it, it's quite enjoyable. I actually love foot drill. It is quite enjoyable. But once you learn it and you, you even see it from the outside, it, it's really good to look at and it is very good to learn as well. And I suppose another major thing that you're learning at this point is you're you're starting on your weapons your weapons training and the theory of the weapons training before you were to go on the range. So the styre is the first weapon, styre easy. <laughs> Yeah, it stirs uh, an automatic rifle, uh, fires a 5.56 bullet and, and realistically at, at, uh, at the end of all this training, you could be in an overseas uh, uh, environment, you'll have 10 magazines or you could be here at home and you're working on a, an ATCP. So you're working with parts of the Garda Shea Weapons training is one of the most important things that we do in the, the Defence Forces and the safety of weapons training and the proper handling of weapons training because the only two organisations within Ireland are the Defence Forces and the Guards that are actually physically allowed to carry weapons. So the weapons training, where all the training is very, very important, the weapons handling skills is extremely important but it's done step by step and when you go to the range and you learn how to shoot it's very enjoyable so everybody understands how to load a weapon how to uh, fire the weapon how to hold the weapon correctly in the firing position yeah putting on your safety catch taking off your safety catch and stuff like that the weapon won't go off by itself unless someone actually physically does something like it presses the trigger the responsibility that comes with actually having uh, that it, training behind you it's huge like, and, and also you obviously learn how to maintain the weapon you know how to strip it and assemble it and and uh, and, and maintain it so that you, you can clean it and, and, and operate it effectively um, once you are trained and, and on exercise and overseas you also learn uh, basic field craft yeah so you're basically learning the, the likes of uh, why things are seen um, uh, camo and concealment basically how to so best way to describe this so people can understand it is to, to hide and not be seen in plain sight basically so and you're learning your different types of uh, patrols types of uh, different ways to move across open grounds using cover and there's there's a lot of details in it in amongst the tactical side of things like there is a lot in it but it's the probably the most enjoyable part of training because this is when your your real soldiering is uh, starting to come into play, and you're obviously building up toward towards exercises. But yeah. the first field exercises that recruits do, they're, they're mainly focused on hill walking to start to build them up and to learn navigation skills as well. It's done very very uh, as as we we're saying in a phase basis. You have to take it that that people have not been on up a, up a mountain and stuff like that, so they don't know how to navigate and stuff. So the first kind of hill walks, it's all done. 
uh, it's just a gentle hill walk it'll be like between five to ten kilometers not too um exhausting and stuff like that but on the way then uh, without even a map like uh, you can, the, the instructors will be pointing out like hilltop spores rivers um that you can all use these as a uh, kind of points of of actually like um finding your way but actually just the fact of Later on in the training, everything is done for a purpose. So the first hill walk is to get people and feel actually what it's like to walk up a hill cross country and uh, through undulating ground or and stuff like that where it's it's difficult. You're really putting uh, where you have to put your feet. And people might think that that's like, um, sure, we go for a hill walk all the time and stuff like that. But if it's on all conditions... You know what I mean? So if it starts to rain, you will have your rain gear there. You just put your rain gear on. When you get hungry, it's just like another thing that you have to do. You have to uh, fuel your body like with the with the, the correct nutrients and stuff like that. So it's not um people can just kind of like plaza over and play lip service to hill walking. It's um for an infantry soldier, which you're going to actually physically be like, it's a, an infantry soldier to actually walk over hills. Um, is is one of like he's bread and butter. Yeah. because that's what he does like he's going to walk a, a, a certain amount of distance like where he's full pack on but the first couple of hill walks it's very enjoyable there's very very little weight you're told what to bring you're told how much water what to bring and stuff like that so it starts off because you are going to be going on a massive walk near the end but it builds up slowly yeah and it's, it's it goes back to what we talked about before that you can't take anything for granted so that recruits need to be told initially like you need to bring spare socks you need to bring water and then you keep telling them that until it becomes muscle memory and you can trust them to do it themselves that's it it's basically you're teaching them how they should react how what they need to bring with them what they don't need to bring with them that's a big thing as well because always remember if you bring it you're carrying it so you have to learn exactly what to bring and what not to bring but again if you go back to the start of the train everything is done nice and slowly to begin with so basically you're physically being built up but you're also mentally being built up as well so it does start off at a very slow pace the first hill walk is always probably in around let's say seven kilometers with kind of a, a lighter weight and an easier ground but again your next one is going to be that slight bit harder yeah and again it's going to build up and up and up until towards the end then you do a big massive walk then the end and you're carrying a lot more weight and more gear and stuff so it is everything is literally starting from the ground up you you will have been developed physically over over the course of training to do that and, and mentally as you say but like yeah. so it, so just before we kind of move on to maybe like talk about ranges and, and, and things like that like just the physical side of it in initial recruit training so people are built up kind of slowly from just kind of run short enough runs in in shorts and, and runners right up to battle PT. Yeah, you don't expect people to come in and automatically to be super soldiers the second they walk in a gate. like, And you don't expect everybody to be on the same fitness levels. Like, You're always going to get guys that are on lower fitness levels than others. So you, you, you're not going to come in and be expected to be able to run 10k in less than 40 minutes the minute you walk in the gate. But by the end of the crew training, I guarantee you, about 90% of them will be able to do that because they'll be built to do that by the end of it. Yeah. So everything is started off nice and easy. Runs are shorter distance. But the, everything builds and builds and builds. And it does get to a point where you like it's gets more robust as you go on. So it's get it gets harder, but at the same time, it gets easier because you're kind of already prepared for it in the meantime. Because you're fitter. You're, you've been built up by the exactly, staff to be fitter. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's like when ultimately at the end you are the platoon is going to be working self efficient. So everything that the platoon needs, the platoon has to carry. So everybody has to carry their own mortar. Everybody has to carry their own rifle. Everybody has to carry all their own kit. So everybody has to have built up a level that they can actually physically just carry their own stuff because. If once the platoon starts to break down and people, if they can't manage it and stuff like that, they, it starts off like individually, but then ultimately then the platoon suffers. Um, some guys in, in the past where you, you have like a different level of fitness and people that do play like sports outside or uh, different kind of things or do hill walking, they have to, sometimes that can be actually, where we're starting off, it's too easy for them. You know, it's too easy. And then there's other guys then that are struggling. But what we're trying to do is we're not trying to develop 
like every individual is working on their own fitness but we're trying to develop people so they can work as a team so just because like you're very uh, you're good at one thing you might actually be weak at something else because when you start learning to navigate going over the hills and stuff like that you could be the fittest person within the platoon and flying around but fairly kind of weak at actually navigating yeah. and going slightly off track where the person might be slightly behind but fairly good at navigating yeah. you know what I mean so it's all it's everything together to build up a guy from civilian life to uh, to a soldier and um and specifically, like it, at what they're training, an infantry soldier, which has to be on their, on their feet and stuff like that. But as, as is, when we're talking about the weapons, it's actually nothing to be worried about. Yeah. Because it's done in a way that it is built up nice and easy, uh, step by step by step. And you have to take it uh, in the sense that some guys, I mean, I've never walked up a mountain. I mean, I'm walking up a mountain. How long does it actually going to take you to actually walk up a mountain? Because it's completely different walking to hey, um, just around the park or in, in down to the shops or wherever, where if you have to walk up a steep hill with your backpack, helmet and a rifle on, how is that physically, how long is that going to take you? Yeah. You know what I mean? But you learned it. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and the, the missiles that you're going to be doing. And also, when there is a hill walk, there's also rest then involved. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you will get rests. Uh, so there will be a hard day and you will be working hard and you'll be sweating and you will be tired because it's not going it'll never get to the stage where you're not under pressure. You will be under pressure because it's physically tough. But you don't do it like in the first and second week. You're built up and you're given everybody's given time. And then at, at so at the end of kind of sort of those periods of training for like foot drill and arms drill and um your weapons training and all that kind of stuff, you have your star tests as well on the square. Where you're test, where you're tested, and you you're tested in elementary training as well, and the weapons as well, prepared for going on the range. Yes, that's that's at the end of your training, where all the lessons that you're after doing, from your physical fitness to your field craft, weapons training, foot drill, you have to do a star test, and these tests you're tested on your foot drill, uh, your the your NCO that's going to uh, that's been training you takes you onto the square. And they call out a couple of movements like left horns, right horns, umpic hearts is where you turn around, saluting, standing to attention, standing at ease, and there's the testing board there. And at this point, guys are so drilled in the because they've done it so many times, repetition, repetition, repetition. It's one of the things we're in in militaries across the world, and good militaries is how they're so slick is because all their drills is repetition, repetition, repetition. You do the drill over and over again that you can actually just, it's just muscle memory. So when you hear the order, it's just done in, in a smart and a soldier-like manner. So it's like you're agility, but you're doing it uh, quickly and you know where you're going. So when you get, actually get to the test, believe it or not, people are so relaxed because they've done it so many times that they're actually, that they're actually not worried at that point. You know, it's kind of nearly at the start where people are a little bit apprehensive or nervous. But when you get to the tests, it's not a problem. So another big milestone in recruit training is are your range days, where you're sent to range to, to actually fire the weapons. Yeah, the, that's kind of the part where you're, I'd say, doing dry drills is what we like to call it. Is basically you're doing everything without actually physically firing the weapon up to this point up to this point and then when you get on the range then that's when you're being handed probably for the first time in your entire life being handed live ammunition and I've seen an elbow recruited platoons I've trained for the first shot you fire everybody closes their eyes and winces because they have no idea what to expect but as you go on, after the first round is forward and you realise it's not the worst thing in the world that's ever going to happen to you, then slowly but surely then you can actually see a confidence starting to build in people. And they're realising then after firing off, say, the first five rounds, they're going up checking their target. And say the rounds could be all over the target to begin with. But then when you bring them back, talk them through their position and hold, so what way to position themselves on the ground, what way to hold the rifle, get their breathing right. Once they start bringing all these marksmanship principles together, you know it's the second time around. Their bullets are nice and close. They're getting closer together, and 
you basically do a full table of different types of practices before you go on to your actual markings to actually pass your range days as well yeah. so but you're learning a lot before you even get to that part of your uh, your test you're learning loads and you're firing off a lot of ammunition as well but it's probably it's basically what you're joining the army to do is to fire that weapon like a lot of people i know the reason why to do is to fire that weapon and it's probably one of the most enjoyable parts of your your training is getting to fire a weapon for the first time because a lot of these people have probably never seen physically never seen a weapon before in their yeah. lives like and then they are there they are holding a high powered assault rifle in my hands and firing off for the first time like it, it is it's an absolutely fantastic experience like and like we spoke before about the atmosphere at a range day. So for a lot of recruit training, you're going to be put under a certain amount of pressure. It's robust training. It's tough training. But a range day is actually a bit more relaxed because you don't want to make people nervous while they're holding live ammunition. It's, it is really relaxed. It's relaxed and it's very controlled as well. But you want to teach this person that's firing the rifle. You want to teach them in a nice, relaxed manner so that they're not nervous holding the rifle and they're not nervous firing off shots so that they're 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 when they're shooting that their their shots not going off miles because if you're gonna be constantly giving out to somebody and putting them under pressure or making them nervous they're not gonna learn anything so it has to be a nice relaxed environment when you're on the range it's a big thing like yeah yeah fantastic and you also obviously do in range with the gpmg as well the general purpose machine gun the larger machine gun that you learn in recruit training which is also another enjoyable experience yes uh really at the end of the day uh when a person goes to the range you're trying to get a guy or a girl that they can actually fire the weapon um, and hit some. That's like at, at the end. So if they are deployed overseas, and God forbid that someone has to actually cock the weapon and actually pick up a name, that when they actually fired in the weapon, that um, that it hits where they wanted to go. They're effective in its use. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, which is like it has happened in the past. Like the soldiers have had to use their use their weapons. You know what I mean? So it's not sporadic like uh, that it's all over the place because then um, sure if, if you're not hitting your targets sort of it's it's not going to happen and then re realistically if you're on any kind of in country like uh, in Ireland or stuff like that uh, having a good proper uh, a good aim because of you could be in like a built up city and stuff like that that, yeah. uh, that you know that these people can actually for uh, arguably like and uh, hit the targets that they intend to actually hit yeah and that's and that's ultimately what you want them to do when you're exactly yeah if you're going to be exerting force or using, using yeah. a weapon then you want yeah. to use it accurately and not, and not indiscriminately there's also a, a competition for best shot as well in the recruitment yes there's a, a there's a competition then for best shot so when the when the platoon is passing out when they've done their initial uh, range day, everybody's been given the opportunity of their marksmanship principles, and then there's a competition where it's just a, a range detail. Uh, whoever's the best shot gets a prize uh, on the pass now in front of their uh, family and friends, which is nice for them. Encourage yeah. Yeah, but the, the range days, the range day, it's, it's two weeks long uh, for the... It's one of the kind of the main reasons why a person might actually join the a defense forces or a military because if it's kind of a soldier, it will always have a kind of a, a weapon or a gun, stuff like that. Uh, as I said before, handling the weapons, it's nothing to be afraid of. People are, and because it's taken through a stage, as uh, Corporal Joyce was saying, you do dry drills. So you don't actually use it rounds at the start. And that just gets people um, have weapons on, hands on the weapon, calms them down. Then you give them weapons. And there's nothing to be worried about, again, on the range days as well, because all the instruction is done. Uh, a nice place. There's no roaring, shouting. Um, and the instruction is clear and precise. And it's outdoor training as well. You know, so it's, a, it's nice to actually get outdoors because there is a lot of lessons at the start and the theory and stuff like that. So for the two weeks that you're doing your ranges, it's outdoors. Fantastic. And so I suppose moving away from the range day, towards the end of training, there is a culmination exercise which, which brings together all of the outdoor field craft stuff you've been doing. There's a two-week exercise, typically in the Glen of Amal. And what, what, what does that exercise entail? You're starting off then, first week it'll be your, uh, your section attacks. So basically you're... you're 
learning how to assault positions and move together as a section and rather than going away from the range side of things you're you're firing your weapon under a lot more pressure now but you're using blank rounds to start with you'll move on to live for in a different stage but you're starting off with blank rounds but you're forward you're learning how to fire your weapon under pressure you'll get some stoppages with your weapon you'll have to learn how to remedy stoppages how to change your magazines quick so that you're constantly firing rounds all the time like it's really 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 robust it it can be quite demanding the section attack side of it but again when you look back at it when you're finished doing a section attack it's probably your adrenaline is so high and yeah. it's so enjoyable like it really very is really really a, good like yeah very kinetic kind of a thing yeah it's it's, sort of it's exciting very exciting very exciting part of it as well and that kind of crawling behind cover and, and, and all the feed craft and all the campfires yeah, that's, and all that's brought into it basically all your tactical stuff comes together and accumulates for that one section attack how to stay in your belly on your belt buckle even as we like to say uh, and crawl up the positions again this kind of comes back from your physical training aspect of things it when i hit your section attacks then you're able to do and not a bother without thinking whereas if you didn't have all that physical training beforehand if you crawl on your belly for i'd say less than 30 seconds you're not going to be able to get very far like but yeah. with all the physical training behind it to build up to that is you'll fly along the ground you'll be like a, a spider flying along the ground on your belt buckle not yeah. a bother to you doing things without thinking uh reacting fast uh change as i said about changing magazines firing your weapon quick moving nice and smoothly together learning you're constantly with each other all the time so you're everybody's in sync now at this stage as well yeah. so everything is accumulating together and i'm starting to make sense now why you're learning all that stuff beforehand is all now coming together in the section attack phase and also at this time you, you also learn how to put in your your patrol harbors and to dig trenches as well so for people at home like a patrol harbor what, what is what is the point of a patrol harbor what is it but the point of a patrol harbor is for a platoon to rest up and um, to uh, that they're going to come up with a plan that they're going to put in like a like a, a close target recce where there's a specific building where they need to uh, get as much information as possible or else they're going to do an ambush. Um, so Patrol Harbour is where you are going to come up with the actual plan of how to actually do this. So you would walk into on a, a friendly side of a forest the enemy being the other side of, of a mountain and stuff like that. And then you would um, you would form up and you would have gone through the drills and that's where you would uh, get rest, food, and then come up with an actual plan and you'd be given orders then that night. And mostly everything, like you will do it in, at night time because you would have gone through like uh, certain night time drills and stuff like that. And then the dig in then is uh, for like a defensive kind of an operation. So you have to dig a trench where there are two men or three men and the first day day and a half is trying to really like get get as much as a big of a trench down as possible that's for a defensive operation where an, an enemy is coming to say this way or in a certain direction but this last kind of two weeks of the exercise where all the classroom stuff is all done now and now that all the everything that you've learned from firing your weapon in an accurate and safe way on the range or any lessons that you've done, these are on there getting tested. And there'll be a little bit more kind of intensity of these two weeks. And it's also a tactical week, so you where uh, eating times is kind of would be changed in a sense because you'd be eating a hell of a lot earlier than, than normal because you're on a tactical phase so uh, getting up uh, like Ravalli like 7 o'clock where that would have been the norm Ravalli could be from anything you know what I mean? Ravalli could be like half four in the morning or stuff depending like that. Yeah, you could, you're being faced yeah with. you could be resting during the day um, at four o'clock, like, and you would get uh, where you would get an opportunity for you to actually uh, get, like, say, uh, forty-five minutes an hour sleep and stuff like that. This is um, nothing to be worried about. Again, goes very, very quickly. Uh, it's robust and it's it's uh, it it can be difficult as well, but everybody is a. Uh, can get through it, and this is what this is what you're training for. These type of operate these type of operational exercises. Well, training for operations, but this is the sort of scenario that the soldiering this, actually happens. Yeah, in. this is what people might think when they're joining the the defence forces. This is what 
these two weeks is probably what they would have in their mind what they do but for the two weeks it takes nearly 10 to 12 weeks to get people prepared for these two weeks the amount of preparation that goes into the, these two weeks is uh, is phenomenal but the more preparation and the better that the lessons have gone the more enjoyable the two weeks are going to be when you get down actually physically on the ground and actually working as a soldier yeah and so at the end of this these two weeks this high robust exercise you've been doing there is also a long march back um from from an so there's a long march to finish it off there's a, a yeah there's a long march it's it's a like 20 odd kilometers it's on it's on a road so that can have like a, its own kind of downfalls in a sense because you can get like a lot of friction because you're moving at at a at a, at a pace in a sense. It's from the Glen um, back up to the Curra, uh, and you're carrying your own gear. Um, if the platoon is walking together, there's a good kind of uh, good, good, yeah, good, yeah. good good morale though on on the way. Um, but it's not the first time that you're going to be walking with your gear. Um, it's nothing to be kind of too overly worried about either, and it's a it's a walk, you know. So you just put left foot, right foot, and just keep going. But it's a good milestone, signalling the end of the tactical lock. And th- what you're looking into after that is is you're passing out from recruit training. Mm. Yeah, well, that's the most ex- probably the most enjoyable walk you do is the last walk. And again, it's a big big morale booster because you know that the next week then it's right. The recruit training is nearly finished now, so then you're going back into. So you're you'll get more than likely get the weekend off after doing your tactical phase, and you're getting your rest together and getting yourself cleaned up or whatever. But then Monday morning, then it's all your prep. Then for probably say the Thursday or the Friday, you're getting ready to pass out in front of your family and friends, and you're starting to do your drills out in the square, and exactly what way the ceremony is going to be set up. Uh, a best soldier or the platoon is going to be picked at that stage. You'll should uh, the best shot will already be decided by then as well. And you also have another award that's called the the Esprit de Corps, and it's basically kind of given amongst the recruits themselves pick the person for who probably helped them the most throughout recruit training. Like uh, it's a very, in my opinion, probably a really prestigious award because it's actually shown that your peers. Are picking this award and it just shows you as the individual have done a fantastic job through recruit training even if your instructor hasn't seen it at least you know that your 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 comrades have seen it you know yeah, so yeah. well, the ceremony for passing out is obviously a really important kind of prideful experience for the recruits as they finish their crew training their families coming in and everything this this is probably it's a really proud day for the guys and their families it's very important like that they do have the support from the families for someone like uh, joining the defence forces with that background because they're not going to be there from uh, Monday to Friday and probably some some of the weekends. So having the family support is uh, is really important. But on the, the actual day, uh, there's a little there's a ceremony. People are given their uh, uh, the two stars. Uh, they're also given like a, a cert. And then the prize given is 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 also given out for best shot, best kit, and the the spray the car. So that's a really nice thing in front of your family, and it's the first time that they've kind of really seen them and what they've done over the last uh, number of weeks. The pride that you can actually see in people's faces is incredible because they do like a little kind of a foot drill uh, by themselves. Um, the platoon sergeant or the platoon commander will just give them a. The, the nod or the, the order to go and then it's just them by themselves and it'll take about between uh, 5 to about 14-15 minutes and they'll go through that drills and what they've learnt and stuff like that and a uh, great day uh, we go over to the cookhouse then there's food and stuff like that and then um, the mess is open then as well like if families then want to stay around for some light refreshments yeah <laughs> fantastic yeah um and I suppose it's important then to note, though, that this is the big achievement to complete recruit training, but this is not the end of training. Now, you have your two- to three-star course coming up to go from a two-star private, which is really a training rank, up to a fully qualified three-star private. Yeah, but, but it's the first kind of where you've actually changed someone, as, as in that they have gone. It's the, the biggest change in a person 
So that's why there's so much pride in it, in the sense that from being a civilian to actually now passing out as a two-star soldier is the biggest change. Where the now going from two to three-star course is uh, it's more advanced. There's more expected of them, but they have some sort of a background now. So from recruit training, it's the biggest change in a person. But now it's getting uh, more intense the two to three star courses and then you learn about more weapons uh, the walks become longer there's more uh, you have to carry more equipment and as a, it's just more is ex, uh, expected of uh, each individual person co- collectively as as a team and also by themselves yeah and normally there's there's a, there's a certain amount of break you, you might have like you might have a week or, or maybe even less between the end of your recruit training back into the course but that back into two trees of course but it's important not to have too long a break because you don't want people to lose that kind of an in- intense no. way of looking at things no I, I think even like uh, it's everybody needs rest and everybody needs recovery and but the training is not finished um, a couple of days is enough go out celebrate with your family over the weekend the long weekend and then and then you're back in and um, it's in experience having just a couple of days kind of works out better for the guys because they know they're not finished. They're after having a bit of a party, straight back in and and stuck into the two and three star course. And some really interesting specialisations that they do um, over the course of the two and three star course that they, wouldn't have done, that they wouldn't have seen in recruit training. Yeah, it's not like the start of recruit training where it started off slow and you come back and you start your two and three star training you literally kind of, your intensity continues from where it left off. And because more is expected of you the specialized skills start to come into play then so you're doing rather than just working with your basic uh, store and gpmg you're moving on to your uh, grenade launcher now you're moving on to your hand grenades you're moving on to foreign your uh, anti-tank weapons and you're learning different skill sets whereas before it's greenfield tactics now you're moving on to fighting in urban areas you're learning about riot control. You're learning about uh, chemical, uh, biological, radioactive, and nuclear uh, weapons that are, can be used against you, and how to counteract as well. About using gas masks and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's more in a kind of platoon kind of. There's more of uh, emphasis on where in your crew training, you're working in sections. Now, uh, a lot more emphasis starts to work on uh, platoon tactical training, uh, platoon ceremonial. So where you're going from having, say, eight people in the section, where you're going to, uh, you have you have up to 30 or more, depending on how many people you have and stuff like that. So working together, just in bigger numbers, people have to just be more clued in, 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 a, in a sense, because everybody has their own little specific job within the platoon, but if a platoon on a, when when they're going on on a, a tactical march and stuff like that, from the front of the platoon to the back of the platoon, even though that there is NCOs and instructors like in between, and you have uh, your IC and your two IC, the officer and the platoon sergeant are at two other ends. So you're expecting that each individual soldier knows what they're doing and is capable of what they're doing when when they're covering off to each side so they don't have to uh, there's not something them telling to do all the time yeah, yeah. They, I mean? they, 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 they already have a base yeah, level yeah there's a base point. level so they're, they're doing it by themselves you also do your, your medical training and you do your own arm combat as well in, during your 2 3 star training you know some hand to hand combat training and it's actually it's, it's very good like you get a lot of guys have probably never done any type of combat training whatsoever in their entire lives and they're basically learning basic defensive skills it's kind of based on a Krav Maga and depending on again the unarmed combat instructor he could be from a kickboxing background judo background boxing background so you'll pick up not only what's in the unarmed combat syllabus but you're also going to learn stuff from what their uh, combat background is as well so it's it's a really good phase again Quite physical. It's uh, really, really robust as well, but uh, again, an enjoyable part. And it kind of takes people out of their shell a lot as well and it helps build a lot of confidence as well. Yeah. You know, it does. 
Yeah, which is good. So it's like the whole two to three star course, from what we see here, it it's adding depth to the skills that have been have been kind of started in recruit training, and just adding so many different kind of aspects to it. Like from from that from unarmed combat through your M two grenade launcher and your grenades and, and etc. And then again, this this culminates in uh, two distinct exercises, field exercises over the course of of the um, of the of the two to three star course. And the first the first one is is a is a field exercise in the Glen of Man. Yes, it's a. It's not unsimilar to the, the the tactical exercise that you would have done in a, in recruit training. There's just it's a, it's more intense. For the whole two to three star course, things just move a hell of a lot more quicker. Um, there's so much stuff to actually cover. Um, you have your grenade, but you also have other specialised people coming in that you have to learn how to uh, signals like to working on the radios. Uh, medical is also uh, you have uh, the medics come in from St Brickens Hospital and stuff like that. So everybody only has their specific two to three days to get this done. So it's really important that people are not missing this critical information and instruction that they're getting for the last exercises. Uh, the greenfield exercise then. It, the walks get bigger um, and longer and you're carrying more equipment and and you're out for longer. Okay, so you're out in the environment. So if it's no matter what type of weather there is, you're still doing the exercise. And um, But it, the guys actually, the, the feedback does be that, that they actually enjoy it. Where if you think recruit training went fast, your two to three star course is gone in a blink of an eye because there's just so much to cover and the program is uh, is very intense and it's full, uh, full of everything. Loads of different um, physical education, um, on combat that, uh, that uh, Joyce was talking about there. Coming out of the shell is one of the main things. You're not looking at the guy that's a, a, an all-island boxer and stuff like that. It's the guy that never ever done any kind of fighting and stuff like that comes out so it's great uh, the radios and the frail craft in um, all that kind of stuff in the last two exercises there's a big exercise then at the end it's a it's a coordinate search and a CRC so it's kind of assimilated it's a, it's a sort of operations other than war style exercise and sort of simulates aid to the civil power as well that, that you could be doing outside yeah this would be where if you're working with the Garda Shea and this has happened this has only happened like uh, since I've trained the last platoon where guys have gone in and done a coordinate search where they, there's a, a building and they might think people might be held up in there. People have done a coordinate search where they're, they're actually looking for, uh, it's not a nice thing, like, but they were actually looking for body parts where the person had, um, like it was a murder. So mm. it's, 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 um, it's intense, but that's, that's, this is serious stuff now when you get and to so that the, stage. So these are skills that you're learning at the very end of your two to three star training that kind of mesh more into operations on island with the, with the civil power with with, with as I say on Garchi Kana or with with other agencies we, we yeah we've done it the recruit training uh, the two to three star course that we had was um the Pope Francis was actually over and we are actually during the training we, we had to do cordon search for real so yeah. they actually experienced a, a real proper cordon and search so yeah. I mean so where you think you do it in training these things do happen so I suppose as well as one of the things that people want probably listening who are thinking of joining would like to know is like where would they be where would they be potentially sent um, and when do they find out what units they'd be they be going to know obviously nothing is concrete here but like generally what's the what's the procedure experience has shown that it's guys stay in the defense forces at longer if they are close to home or close to where they would like to serve so everything is done to actually try and help a person serve to close to where they want to serve. But you have to be realistic in the sense that what the training, what you're qualified to actually do. Realistic terms, it's trying to get a person close to home where they're happy with. And then they will develop them further on if they want to go to a different type of a, of a unit, of an operational unit, like where you have the, 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 the cavalry corps and stuff like that. So they're yeah. operational, but they just do different things than the infantry. So like initi- initially vacancies will dictate, but where possible the, the organisation will try and facilitate people. As well. I would personally think that anybody passing out should serve in an operational unit for a number of years before they go to anywhere. 
And I think if everybody was to start off in an operation unit and go through like a, a good cycle, a year or two years, it's not really that much of a cycle in an operational unit because there's other things come in only once a year and stuff like that. So you have to go through this. And uh, for junior leaders and just young soldiers, just your own admin, that's really the place where they should learn and then move on Then if they want to go to a, a specialised kind of a, a unit within the Defence Forces are. So just, I suppose, by just way of conclusion, getting in as a, as a recruit, joining the Defence Forces, the kind of things that you need to think about and things you need to do, you you obviously have, um, the first thing you need to think about is just your fitness test. Um, it's not overly that, that difficult, but it is difficult in the sense that if you've never ran a mile and a half, it's a mile and a half in 11 and a half minutes. And uh, that's, for, that's for a male and then for, yeah, for, for a female. Yeah, females have, uh, they have an extra, uh, it's two minutes. We have found in the past where people have actually physically not gone out and actually done a mile and a half. So if you were thinking about joining the Defence Forces, go out and time yourself over the mile and a half and see what your time is. Do your 20 push-ups, do your 20 syrups, okay? When you're looking for the next recruit platoon, if you find that you're actually not up to a, a mile and a half or you're not up to that standard, well, you, you need to practice. It's like everything else. And there are, there are programs available on, on military.ie, which, which are freely available. Yeah, they're available. Um, on the day of, of the actual test itself, some people do be nervous. Um, it's don't be nervous. If you've gone out, practice your couple of runs, practice your push-ups, you can start off modified. You can always build up the strength and then come in and it shouldn't and it, and it won't be a problem. Talk to someone that's in the Defence Forces. Go online, get as much information as possible uh, as you possibly can yourself and go out and physically actually do the fitness test. Um, and just for, for people who are looking to join, um, after the fitness test, there is a psychometric test and an interview and specific details of that can be found on our website, www.military.ie, uh, on the careers tab and just some brief searches done. We'll also bring you to some physical training programs that can help build you up to be able to do the induction fitness test. So at the end of this episode, I think there's a huge amount of information there for anyone looking to join. And again, we would strongly encourage anyone thinking of joining Oakland Heron to check out the careers tab on www.military.ie. Um, thanks very much for coming on and joining us, gents. It's very much appreciated. Thanks, sir. For further information on the Irish Defence Forces, check out our social media platforms and military.ie. Serving members are also encouraged to visit the members area on military.ie. Today's episode was produced by Corporal Keith Harrison of the Defence Forces Audiovisual School. The Irish Defence Forces podcast is available for download on Spotify, iTunes, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is the last episode in Season 2 of the Irish Defence Forces podcast but we'll be back soon with a new season. To everyone out there, thanks very much for listening over the previous season and stay safe.